if you'll go with me to Revelation, the eighth chapter, and the first verse. I don't know if the guys can pull this up or not. But we're going to see what we can do. My thought or theme or idea or focus today would be, get ready for it, drum roll, a half hour, a half hour of power, a half hour of power. How cool is that? I was reflecting yesterday in my uh, evening or my day, my afternoon and my evening and my evening ended with me holding the new baby on my lap, looking at her, just amazed by what God has done. And then I got to reflecting about Harvest has been blessed. We have a lot of babies. We have a lot of babies this morning, and Harvest has been blessed. And I just felt like, and also for our, our Facebook congregation, for those that are going to watch this later on the podcast, I wanted to share something with you. And if, if you feel comfortable this morning, if you are here with your baby... Uh, if you'll just stand, if you'll just stand right where you are with your baby, if you'll stand. Look at all the little ones. Look at all the little ones. I want to, I want to uh, read your, your baby a response that should be yours. Is that okay? So every parent, every, everyone that will touch our children ministry, everyone that will hold our babies, I want, to, I want you to know that this is from you to these precious babies. Are you ready? Dear baby, welcome to God's great, big, beautiful world. I know that your mom and daddy are so glad you've come. They've been looking forward to this day for a long time now, and now that you're here, it's unanimous that it was well worth the wait. Do I have an amen? Now that you've arrived, their lives will revolve around you. You'll be happy to know that they'll attend to all your needs. They'll feed you whenever you're hungry, night and day, and they'll change your diaper more times than any of you will ever be able to recall. And right away, you'll recognize not only by sound, but also by their individual touch. They will thrill over the softness of your skin, the expressions on your face, and each little sound that you make. Soon you'll smile, and their wonder and amazement will continue to grow. The day you say, Mama, Dada, or Sir Papa, will be cause for celebration among all of the friends and relatives. Someday you'll recognize that the love they lavish upon you, little one, is but a small reflection of your heavenly Father's love for you. Hopefully your earthly parents will never disappoint you, but please know that you have a heavenly Father who will forever remain faithful. He is a giver of life, and your arrival here was planned by him from the foundation of the earth. How scary, how crazy is that? He loves you much, dear baby, that he has made provision for you to live a joyful life here on this earth and then live forever with him in heaven. You are his special child, a one-of-a-kind gift straight from his heart to all the people whose lives you will touch. Enjoy his goodness and rest in his favor. Amen. The end. I just thought I would share that. Can you give the Lord a... We, um, If it wasn't for moms, most of you wouldn't be here today. <laughs> just a just a little thought that I that I will do. We have the Revelation eight one up on the on the screen. That that will uh, be, before you go to Revelation eight one. I want to read just a, a a small passage of scripture in Isaiah twenty one and eleven. It says this: 
He calleth to me out of Seir, watchman, what of the night, watchman, what of the night. This would have been a great theme for uh, New Year's Eve service because there are those that watch the old year out, the New Year, New year in. And here the man of God is asking the watchman on the wall, what, what's going on? What's happening? What's taking place? And I think a lot of us, as we came to the conclusion of 2014 and we're stepping into the season of 2015, I think a, a lot of us are not really sure what the purpose and what the plan and what the will of God is. Can anybody say amen? amen. And I think that a lot of us uh, have a tendency to attach a one-liner or a conjunction or a statement that would determine the outcome of 2015. I got to reflecting back some of the, some of the years I remember, and uh, let, let me just share some of those years with you, if I may. The victory is won in 2001. Jesus and you in 2002. We are set free in 2003. Finances and more in 2004. Heaven can't wait in 2008. And I really don't have a theme or a thought or a, uh, an idea for 2015 because nothing rhymes with 15. I mean, I mean it's, it's a tough. So I got to thinking, well, let's take the 15 and dissect it, and let's do 8 plus 7 <laughs> equals 15. So you know, 8 is the number of new beginnings, and 7 is the number of completion or perfection, so maybe in 2015, God's going to start some things in your life, and his favor and his purpose and his plan is going to be upon it. Amen. Just a thought, just a possibility. Give the Lord a hand clap of praise that we have a theme or a thought for 2015. If you'll, if you'll show that Revelation 8-1 for me, I want to bring attention to a, a passage of Scripture. And if I look disorganized, I'm not... I just changed pens. Okay. Revelation 8, 1. And when he had opened the seventh seal, there was silence in heaven about the space of half an hour. We have next word, next scripture. Sorry, guys, verse 12. And I saw the seven angels which stood before God, and to them were given seven trumpets. Crazy time in prophecy. The rapture of the church has taken place. The groom is marrying the bride in heaven. The world is being judged for its disclaimer of Christ. There have just been seven seals that have been opened, and the seventh seal that's opened, something is poured out upon the altar of apothecary. Many believe that the tears of the saints of God are, are saved by God. And the prayer and praise of the saints are saved by God. And this is a moment where they're going to, God is going to pour out all the prayers and all the tears because the world is getting ready to step into the seven trumpets, which are really, really scary and really, really rowdy and really, really bad. Several things will happen to our, to our earth. One third of the waters of the world will turn to blood. Hailstones, 100 pounds, will fall out of the sky. There'll be demonic creatures that will bite you, but you cannot die. It's impossible to die. And as you look at the seven trumpets, you see all the, all the things that God had prophesied would take place. 
Perhaps the silence is just a reflection of the horror that's about to become a reality. Or perhaps the silence is just the opportunity to pour out the, the, the prayers of the saints. Scholars don't know. Bible, everybody has their own personal thought. But the point that I want to make this morning is that there is coming a season in our life where there will be 30 minutes of silence. And what is interesting to me is you study the book of Revelation, Daniel, Micah, all the, all the books that deal with eternity. Nowhere in that teaching will you find any reference to second, minute, hour, day, week, month, year, decade, century, millennium. Nowhere in the, in the study of prophecy of the last days will you find any time slot allotted to eternity except in Revelation 8.1. All of a sudden, everything comes to a screeching halt, and for 30 minutes, there is silence in heaven. I want to talk a little bit about that that can be accomplished in 30 minutes. If you go with me to Ephesians 5, and I believe, David, we have three different translations. Is that correct? If he, oh, we have four different translations. Okay. Let's go ahead. We'll, we'll, we'll do them one at a time. What is first? Okay, if you'll read the King James with me. I think we're going to do verse 15, 16, and 17. Is that right? Here we go. See that you walk circumspectly, not as fools, but as wise, redeeming the time, because the days are evil. Wherefore, be ye not unwise, but understanding what this will of the Lord is. Now, that's the King James. That's King James. Okay. Three points I'd like to make out of this passage of Scripture, and then we're going to look at some different readings. Number one, I believe it's important to be careful where you walk. Be watchful of your steps. The second thing that I want to show you from this passage of Scripture, that it is important that we redeem the time. And I think that if God has a word for 2015, it would be the third point that I would like to make is to know the will of God. If I were to conduct a, a consensus today and have you bow your head and close your eyes, and I were to ask you a question, and it's not a trick question, but if I were to ask you this morning from the depth of your soul, what is the will of God for your life? Many of us do not know the will of God for our life because we are like the hamster on the wheel. We keep the wheel going around and around. We get up, we eat, we work, we, whatever we do, day after day after day after day, and some of us, let me be careful what I say, that, say there. Some of us will, will, will invest more time in the NFL than they will in the things of God. There is one time of the year, and it's now. This is now when I get excited about NFL because we're getting right down to the very last. The Patriots won yesterday. Obviously, that really blessed you. And I think today, I think today uh, Dallas plays... Green Bay, and so whoever wins that game will go to the, the world, the, right? Anyway, right now is the only time that I give a flying flip about football. And it's like, obviously, I don't know very much, but I know that Super Bowl Sunday, I know where I'm going to be, and I know what I'm going to be doing. I'm going to be right here in the house of God. We're going to turn this sanctuary into a living room. We're going to have toys. We're going to have game. We're going to have the big screen up. And we're going to celebrate. And you know what? Last year, I didn't, I didn't really know either one of the teams. And you know what? We had so much fun. I mean, we, I don't know how many years in a row that we've done this. 
but we have so much fun and so much food is I thank God for Super Bowl Sunday. I thank God for that. But, but I think the point that I, that, I, that I don't want to make it hurt your feelings, but if you spend more money on the chemicals in your pool than you do on the things of God, hello, if you spend more money on your tailgate, your cookouts, and your football games than you do the things of God, then there's probably an area in your life that's unfocused, unclear about what God's plan is for you. Because God wants you to be committed and, and to sow your life in the things that God has blessed you with in this season, as we see, obviously, this season drawing to a close. Uh, as, I look at, as I look at 2015, I actually uh, made some notes about 2015. When the watchman on the wall in Isaiah 21 and 11 when the man of God asked the watchman on the wall what's going on, the watchman on the wall, let me read this for you if I may, Isaiah 20, 21, verse 11. He called to me out of Seir, watchman, watchman, what of the night, watchman, what of the night. And the watchman said, the morning cometh, and also the night, if you will inquire, inquire, you return, come. Confusing passage of scripture, but basically what the watchman is saying, there are going to be good times, the daytime, and there's going to be bad times at nighttime. In other words, the life that you live, the place that you're at right now, good things happen to good people and bad things happen to good people. Good things happen to bad people. Bad things happen to bad people. Paul Harvey made the statement, it's always been this crazy. It's always been a scary world. There's always been seasons. I try to remember as far back as I possibly can as far as the seasons and, and, the, and the times that I lived in. I remember... Uh, very, very vividly, the assassination of John F. Kennedy. I remember that day. I remember where I was. I remember what I was doing. I, I have never seen my parents both publicly cry, and they picked me up from school. I think I was in fourth grade or fifth grade. But all the way from 1964 to all the way to 2015, these are perilous times, and we are in trouble. Some of the times that we're living in are times of terrorism. Who would have thought that 911 would have leveled those two buildings and part of a third? We're living in a season of riots. Angel, I can remember 12 years of age in, in the Southern California, Long Beach area. I remember my dad putting a ladder on the front of our house. And dad helped my brother and I. And we climbed to the top of the house. And we sat there on the ridge. And there, in the distance, we could see the fires, the Watts, the Watts fires. We could see all the, all the conflict, all the pain, everything taking place. And you, you would have thought that generation has come to peace with itself, but it hasn't. Here we are in St. Louis. We're, we're, we're looting, we're, we're, we're burning, we're, we're stealing. We're, there's, such a, there's such an attitude of rebellion. And that's, that's nothing but a tool of the devil. Anywhere, any place there is difference, the enemy wants to bring some kind of conflict and some kind of pain. So, so just because we're different, the enemy would try to step in and turn brother against brother, sister against sister. Hello. I mean, I, I want to I tell you, I am, I am a Creek Indian. I'm not a lot Indian, but I'm, I'm, I'm enough that I can, I can play with this. But, but be honest with you, I'm kind of tired apologizing for things that I did not do to people I've never met to places I've never been. It's time that we get over it and we go on and we love one another and work with one another regardless of our regardless of our color. And I believe that's the attitude the church should have. Not only are we just living in a, in a moment of riots, but we are literally 
trillions of dollars in debt. The past five years, the window has been those that thought they had enough to retire and they went in retirement are now getting jobs at Walmart, Dunkin' Donuts, McDonald's, because at the end, there's not enough money there at the end to survive. We are living in a generation of Ebola and a generation of AIDS. There was a window there for a few months ago. We thought an entire nation was going to die when AIDS attract, attacked the world. We thought of total generations that were going to die. And I don't know if it's a fear factor, but we focused on it. Then we look at the bailout. We look at our government giving different entities millions and millions of millions of dollars, but they didn't give me anything. And I've been told that my grandchildren got to pay that debt back. I mean, what kind of mindset is our government operating? I was so blown away, and I was watching uh, Fox News, and that was kind of, I usually watch headline news just to stir Pastor Rhonda up, but I was watching, I was watching Fox News, and, and was talking about the, the, the mentality of our government. Here's the mentality of our government. In Southern California, they are offering driver's license to every illegal immigrant with no green card. And in the footnote, it said that this is going to cost about $220 million, but they're going to raise $50 million selling the license. And I'm thinking, okay, how does this not match up? You're going to spend $220 million, and you're only going to get $50 million back. How is that a good deal? How, how is that, that something? Does anybody kind of like say, what in the world? I mean, it's almost like M-I-C, Severson, K-E-Y, M-O-U-S-C. It's like... That was Mickey Mouse, in case those of you never grew up with that, with that particular cloak. But, 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 but we are in trouble. We're, we're spending money we don't have. And, you know, I, I learned a long time ago, don't write a check if there's no money in the account. Every once in a while, my personal debt will get to place. It'll get rejected. And I always, I always you know, make some kind of statement. I said, oh, you're supposed to put money in that, in that account? Oh, is that why, you know? And it, it, it happens all the time. But it's like we are spending, and again, we're spending money we don't have to go places we don't need to hang around people we don't like. Hello. And, it, and it's like, it, it seems like it gets worse and worse and worse. Two reasons for divorce in America. Infidelity and money issues. One of the most important things that will attack a family is the lack or the loss or the, the need for money. And, you know, that's why God gives us a budget. That's why God gives us common, look at somebody say, common sense. We look at the gangs. We look at the violence. We have, listen, we are a very, very blessed city that we don't have the Crips and the Bloods. A very, very blessed city. But just 20-some-odd miles down the road, Chattanooga is right now entertaining gangs. The gangs are setting up their headquarters, setting up their, their desires and things that they are involved in. We're living in a generation of divorce. Two out of three marriages today are ending divorce. One out of two in the church world where families just have tried and tried and tried, and then it just doesn't work anymore. We're looking in the generation of suicide. 40,000 people every day in America commit suicide. 80% of those suicides, 40,000 a day, a day. Three days, the, po the population of Cleveland has committed suicide. And those that are committing suicide, 80% of those suicides are through drug overdose. We have, more, we have more pharmacies in this city than we have banks. Well, we're close. It's probably close. It's probably uh, every day... One Walgreen will write 200 hydro prescriptions, 200 a day, one Walmart. There's 14 different pharmacies here in this city. When you do the math, it's like, no wonder people are crashing into one another. They're all on drugs. Hello? 
I told, I told Court, it's hard to drive. I said, I'm not worried about you. It's the other idiots out there that just pull right in your lane and do this and, and do that. Certainly a generation that is in trouble. Then, then, I, then I look at, the, the, again, the comments of, of Paul Harvey. There have, there have been, there, there's always have been days like this. And it's probably true. But it's not been as focused as it is right now. And as we look at Ephesians, the fifth chapter, let me go ahead and just uh, share those points with you. Watch your step. Watch where you walk. Watch what you're involved in. Watch what you're doing. David says in Psalms 3 and 1, Blessed is the man that walketh not in the counsel of the ungodly, nor standeth away the sinner, nor sitteth in the seat of the scornful. But his desire is in the law of the Lord, and in his law doth he meditate both day and night. Watch, watch if you will, this, 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 this regression of what man does when he walks in the world. He, he's walking, and then he's standing, and then he's sitting. The inactivity of the church of Jesus Christ, I think, in America is scary. As far as the programs, what, we're coming to church. We're worshiping, we're praising, we're, we're hearing a little word, and then we're going home. And what, are, what is the church right now doing in the environment that has the ability to bless the world? When we talk about religion, the Bible says true religion is to feed the hungry, take care of the widow, take care of the orphan. And, and there, are, there are ministries in this city, and there's ministries going on that try, to take, that, that try to take care of the orphan and widow. But I don't know that we're doing to the fullest of our ability all that we can. Uh, Carmen, the other day, I, 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 I laughed about this. It's not really a laughing matter. But the other day, in a 30-minute window, I cried three times. And had I had the checkbook and the ability to write out a check, and had there been money in that account, there are three things, Patty, that I would have mailed money to last week. In a 30-minute window, I saw the Wounded Warrior commercial. And then the prosthetic, and I just, and I just, my heart always goes out. There are people out there laying down their life so we can enjoy the freedom this morning. And then it was the, the uh, dog, the animals, the cats. The, my God, that, that song, it was like I was having a spiritual, it, it wasn't amazing. Well, it was Amazing Grace. They were like singing Amazing Grace, and here's this little dog that's been beaten. It's been, it's frozen. And you know, first, an anger, an anger wells up like, listen. Our dog is treated better than I'm treated. Oh, yes. Our dog won't eat the bag food. He won't eat the canned food. He's got to have Foolin's. He's got to have a Wendy cheeseburger. He's got to have an Arby roast beef. I'm telling you because I'll be out and about. And Pastor Ron said, hey, can you pick up a burger for Spike? To no. Spike has dog food. This is what Spike is supposed to eat. But, it, but, he, but he won't eat. He, and he, he's such a weird eater when you feed, when you, and you've got to tear it up. You can't just throw him a, a patty. You can't throw, I promise you he won't eat it. He'll just look at it. But you tear it up, and what he does, he'll come up, and he'll try to cover it with his, and I, don't know what, I don't know why he's trying to cover it. He'll try to cover it with his napkin, and then he'll eat it. And then if you give him a treat, he won't eat the treat in front of you. I don't know, conspicuous, I don't know what, but he'll go upstairs. And, and I, I guess the point, and then the third one, was the hungry children in Haiti. Hello. I'm watching these kids. They're, 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 they're horrifically malnutrition. And my attitude is, man, if I was a millionaire, I know what I would do with my money. And God said, well, you're not a millionaire, but why don't you take on one of the three? So we are discussing which one of the three 
And so I want the church to help me. Which one thinks I should help the wounded warriors? Where's the, where's the wounded warriors? Okay, where's the puppy and the, and the cats, okay? Uh, where's, where's, the little, where's the little children? Okay, so at the end of the service, we'll take up an offering, and you put your $15 in there, and we can feed like, and, the, and I'll get you a little shirt, you know, that says, I rescued a dog, or I'll get you a cool knapsack that says, wounded warrior. But I, I know we laugh, I know it's funny, but the needs are there. And we as the church are to, are to meet those needs. And I think sometimes we get so focused on things that are going on. But, but Paul tells us in Ephesians, watch your step. Watch the way that you walk. And, you know, another thing about learning how to watch your step. The Bible says in the last days, the, the Lord's going to be here. The last days, God's going to be here. The last day. So it's, it's kind of like the attitude in the last days that we're going to be bouncing from one movement to another, trying to find God, trying to find out what God is up to, trying to find what God is doing. I know when I was a new convert, that, that first uh, several months of, of, of uh, loving the Lord, I was constantly trying to find a revival. I wanted to be in church. I mean, there was just something about being a new Christian. I wanted to be, I would go to a, a praise and worship conference. I would go to a Bible lesson. I would go to, I, I, wanted, I wanted to be in church, but I think sometimes, that love that we have for God and that affection we have for God sometimes gets put on the back burner as other things seem to be more important or we think other things seem to be more important. God says in Isaiah 49 and 10, be still and know that I'm God. Heaven. Think about heaven for a second. Hundreds of millions of angels praising millions of saints that their spirits have gone on praising chariots laughter children just think how noisy heaven must be well, just think all, all the all the celebration all the hoopla all the th things taking place all the things that, that, that are happening and then all of a sudden there's a half hour of silence how crazy is that? Is a silence telling us we need to just slow down and listen? Is a silence telling us to, to rethink some things that we thought were good ideas that weren't or, or bad ideas that were? What is this, what is this 30 minutes of silence? And I got, I got to thinking about what could you accomplish in 30 minutes? And I made a few, few notes and wrote a couple of things down. The first thing that, that I wrote here on my, on my piece of paper, that in 30 minutes here and 30 minutes there, there's a lot that you can accomplish. In 1972, Earl Shive would paint any car, any color, $29.95. Earl Shive had a metal flake paint that was $39.95. My, my great-grandfather gave me my first vehicle. It is kind of ironic that in the middle of my sophomore year in public high school, the drugs have become so rampant, even the teachers were selling drugs behind the desk. My parents took me out of public school and put me in a Assembly of God private school. But what my parents didn't realize was all the kids that had got thrown out of the public school for drugs, they're in the private school because that's the only place that they can go. That's kind of that was kind of fun. But drugs never entered. That was never a part of, of my sophomore, junior, senior year. That was never a part. But I remember in my junior year, 
most of the kids that I went to school with were very wealthy. And I'll just tell you how wealthy they were. Carl and, Carl and Carol were, were twins, and when they turned 16, their dad gave them a green duster for Carl and a brown duster for Carol. One of my best friends, Anthony Proffer, he got a brand new dune buggy. Dave Phillips, his dad owned Phillips Tire. He got a 72 Stingray Corvette. Another friend got a Mach 1 with the 351 Cleveland with the cams and, the, and all that stuff. And it was like everybody in my senior class had cool cars. However, on the weekend, this, is, this will crack you up, on the weekend, everybody wanted my car because of drive-in movies. I, I had the entire bench seat back in front. There was nothing. And everybody wanted. And what was so funny, I would pick up the Corvette, let them take my, my, my car, and then I would cruise the boulevard, race from red light to red light. And it was like every weekend I drove a different car. And I got to thinking, you talk about the wealth of the wicked. Isn't God good? But my great-grandfather was a, was a bad man. He uh, carried a gun. And he shot a man through a, through a saloon door, went into a season of hiding, uh, married my, my great-grandma, great and had seven kids, and abandoned them, and worked as a butler for Marilyn Monroe, very, very salty dog, just a, a, a day or a week, somewhere in that window before he died, my dad led him to the Lord. And he gave his heart to God at the very end of his life. My grandpa took upon himself the responsibility of helping every grandchild with their first car. I think it was 20 of us all together. My, grand, my grandparents made sure that every single one of the kids, when they turned 16, they, they had a car. Well, my great-grandfather left his car parked there at my grandparents, and so I got that car. And it was a 53 New Yorker Chrysler Deluxe with a little 331 motor in it, first car to come out with power, power steering. And what was so ironic... Josh, you could, you could raise up the hood, and in between the radiator and the front bumper, you could take a nap right there. And I had the great big back seats. I had the, but the point that I want to make is that I decided that I was going to let Earl Shy paint this car, but I was taught that it's not the paint, it's the preparation. So every day, for about a half hour, Angel, I go out there that wet and dry, and I hand sanded that car right down, right down to the metal. I removed every crease, every dent every blemish, and then I took the car to Earl Scheib, did the $39 job. It was, a, it was a Matador Red. I'll never forget that Matador Red. And Josh, I would have, I'd be driving down the road, and I, have, I would have people wave me over wanting to know where I got my car painted. When I told them Earl Scheib, they didn't believe me. So it wasn't the fact that Earl Scheib painted it. It's the fact that for several half hours of my life, I went out there and sanded it. Do I have an amen in the building? Can anybody relate to what's going on? Then I remember uh, when, I, when I went into ministry, of course, Marcus and my dad were two of my mentors, and they both quoted a lot of scripture. And I would take three-by-five cards, and I would write on one side of the card where it was found, and then turn the card over if the, the, the scripture was there. And if I got stranded at, at a, 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 a traffic jam, or I got stranded at Department Motor Vehicles or washing the car, I would take those cards out. In a 20, 30-minute window, I can rem remember about three to five scriptures. You remember a few years ago, we did that here. We're in a Wednesday night teaching. You guys learned an entire chapter just by repetition. I, rem I know that 30 minutes of, 30 minutes of int intimacy with your wife is always a good 30 minutes. See, 30, there you go. 
two in the, uh, in 30 minutes I could take a piano lesson or a guitar lesson. Thank you, Pastor Rhonda. In 30 minutes <coughs> I can process a deer. In 30 minutes I can clean a mess of fish. In 30 minutes I can paint the rocking chair for the baby. In 30 minutes I can run two and a half miles, used to. I can walk a mile in 30 minutes. Um, I, I came home last night, and, and it's happened several times, but I came home last night, and Pastor Rhonda and Shanti, it, it was going on. I mean, it was, she was leaping and twirling and spinning and, and kickouts and leg lifts and this and that, and I'm sitting on the couch drinking my iced tea, and she said, Why don't, what, you want to join me? Well, I, I told her, I, I'm joining you in spirit. I'm joining you. I'm there with you. I'm supporting you. I'm, I'm cheering for you. Yay, yay. I know that sounds crazy, but morning before last, it was, it was, not, it was not Saturday. It was Friday. Friday morning, I, I made the, the attempt to walk down the stairs one at a time. In other words, I didn't want to step on one. I wanted to step, 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 step. And I got about three steps down, and I had this crazy thought, Patty. And I said, you know what? If this is the way I walk at the age of 60, I ain't ever going to make it to age 83. It ain't going to, it ain't, I mean, when I think about 23 more years of my body walking up and down steps, it worries me. So for, for 30 minutes, I can go and lift weights. For 30 minutes, I can go and ride a bike. In, in, 30, in 25 minutes, I can put Shanti on there. And man, I mean, in 30, 60, 90 days, have a be fit and mean machine. I don't want to do that because I have to give up my honey buns. And now that we have Dunkin' Donuts, hello. I mean, the temptation is there. And I'm telling you right now, I'm going to fall to it. I'm going to submit. I'm not going to pray God deliver me from Dunkin' Donuts. I don't want to be delivered. I, I want, I, I want, hell, somebody help me. I know that. In 30 minutes, we can have marital counseling. In 30 minutes, we could do premarital counseling. In 30 minutes, I can help you with the budget. In 30 minutes this morning, I can teach a lesson. In 30 minutes, I can watch a Beth Moore video. Does anybody kind of see where we're headed with all this? Your 30 minutes can make a difference if you will allow it to. I want, did you know that T.D. T. Jake said that he wrote his book 30 minutes at a time? And I, there's, a, there's a season, and it's, it's about to come upon us, but there's a season in my life where I'll begin to spend 30 minutes every morning in the garden pulling weeds, planting perennials. I don't go out there and do it 8, 10, 12 hours. I go 30 minutes here, 30 minutes there. I know that in 90 days, 30 minutes a day, I can read the entire Bible. Did you know that? Did you know 30 minutes a day in, in 93 months, you've read the entire Bible? I have proven beyond a shadow of a doubt at Aubrey's and Chop House and, and Outback, I can eat a five-course meal in 30 days. Hello. I can go pay, uh, 30 minutes rather. <laughs> I know you guys are watching me there. In 30 minutes, I can listen to a worship CD. In 30 minutes, I can listen to a good sermon. And, and, and we were in China Hill. And I got to tell you a little bit about China Hill. China Hill has absolutely nothing. Zero. Nada. Not, nothing. There's not a post office. There's not a flashing light. There's not a store. There's not a gas station. There's nothing. It's just a, it's just a spot in the cool name, just a spot in the wall. So Pastor Ron and I, we were driving back and forth. And the church is like 30 minutes in the middle of of. 30 minutes in the middle of nowhere. Exactly. That's the point I'm making. And so we were driving back and forth and we were. And so she asked me, she asked me, what would we do if God called us to China Hill? And I said, I will ignore him. I would act like I would act like that. I had. I, no, I'm, I'm 
I'm serious. I mean, it was like, no, God, I'm, I'm like Jonah. I'm headed to Vegas, baby. I don't care if I, I would, I would rather spend three days in the belly of a well than to pastor a church in China Hill. And God, I hope you heard that. I hope you don't have a sense of humor. But, but China Hill is only 30 minutes away from Cordell. There's a Walmart at Cordell. There's a Wendy's. Everything, what makes life worth living is, 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 in, is, in, is in Cordell. And 30 minutes that I can be there. Do I have a friend in the, in the building? Anyway, 30 minutes I can be in Chattanooga. 30 minutes I can wash the car. 30 minutes I can read a book. Uh, one of my traveling companions, one of my armor bearers is here this morning, Dennis. We've traveled all over. But uh, we went in to, to, I went to hunt. He went to work. And so I got up at daybreak, went out in the woods, come back. And when I come back, he had, he was this ramp thing. He was cutting down and dragging off. And then this uh, alarm, this, uh, this, this wiring, he's doing some wiring. And then when I got there, he was weeding. It was like he had three projects going on, 30 minutes here, 30 minutes here. But you know what's so, what is so ironic? When we left last night, all three projects that he had started was finished. How cool is that? And it's just a 30-minute window. In Ephesians 5, we talked about, did you like my 30-minute things that I can do? Yeah, I don't, I don't want to give that to you. I'll give that to you next week. Does anybody appreciate a fresh, a fresh word? Watch your step. Already in the bonding between granddaughter and granddad, there's a little song that I sing to Esther, and she seems to like it. She spit up on me one time, but that, that could have been something else. When we, were, when we were children in Sunday school, we used to sing the song, Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Careful, little hands, what you do. There's a father up above, looking down in tender love. Oh, be careful, little hands, what you do. Now, that's the first verse. There are 18 verses. And I sing all 18 to her. And, and she seems to like it. She seems to like it. But in, in reflection of watching our step and watching what we're doing in life, As much as she depends upon me to hold her, feed her, change her diaper, and clothe her, as much as she depends on me to do that, that's exactly the same dependence that God wants you to have on him. On him. The steps of a righteous man, three things. Ordered, ordained, and orchestrated. God puts music to your walk. God puts blessings to your walk. God puts direction to your walk. There's a, there's a purpose and there's a plan that God has for your life. Watch your step. I remember when Elijah was going through a real bad time. He just confronted the prophets of Baal. He won. All the prophets were murdered. Jezebel was going to chase him, kill him. He got scared. He hid by a, remember that? He hid by, a, hid by a, a gourd, and there was water, and there was life. 
and it was like every day that God would feed him, every day God would send a raven that would feed him, but all of a sudden the brook dries up, and the, and the gourd shrivels, the brook dries up, the gourd shrouds, and God stops feeding him, and just the little things in life that were just really, in, not really seem to be necessary, but God is so dependent upon us is why he gave us his love that he could sustain us. Does that help anybody? Whether you find yourself by the river at the time of, of a great battle, or you find yourself in the belly of a whale, or you find yourself, as Pastor Rhonda said this morning, high upon a mountain in, in the belly of hell, God knows where you're at, and God has a plan for your life. Watch your step. In that gourd experience, in that raven experience, in that brook experience, there was a great storm, but God wasn't in the thunder. There was a great storm, but God wasn't in the lightning. God wasn't in the wind. All those things manifested. God wasn't in any of those. There are a lot of people that instead of hearing God's voice, they hear a noise. When John the Baptist baptized his cousin, the Bible says a voice came from heaven saying, this is my beloved son in whom I will please hear you him. Many heard that, but the Bible says the rest of them just heard a noise. But in the cool, calm, still of that moment, in a still, small voice, God speaks to Elijah and says, go, I got a widow. She's prepared a place for you. I want you to go there. And Elijah went, and you know the story. The second point that I want to make is to redeem the time. And I believe we've covered that. 30 minutes committed here, 30 minutes committed here. These things, these things can happen. These things can take place. As we redeem the time, we learn and there's, not, there's, there's some youth here today, but we learn to redeem the time. We realize that whatever problem we solve in life, that's what we're going to be paid. If you're satisfied at a fast food restaurant saying, you want fries with that burger? If that's all the problem you want to solve, then, then, then you'll be content for the minimum wage. But if you're the kind of person that wants to stand in the court of law and address the judge as, as someone's attorney and say, Your Honor, we plead, we plead not guilty, then you've got to make transition that you can become what God wants you to become. The problems that you solve. What is God's will for my life? As every head is bowed, as every eye is closed. Thank you. Father, it seems like there are so many things that we do are a waste of time or will steal us of our time. Then we realize in a moment, in a twinkling of an eye, you put seed in a womb. In the twinkling of an eye, you're going to wrap your church. In a twinkling of an eye that you, you speak over us. Father, as we step into a season where society has forced us to acknowledge it's a new year, Lord, we don't want what the world has to offer in this new year. But we want to stay faithful in the little things. We want to stay faithful in the things that we know are bringing you pleasure, that are bringing your joy, and we want to focus on that. Father, two weeks ago we talked about we don't want to be intimidated by the successes of our past, and we don't want to be intimidated by the failures of our past. 
But what we want to do today is to realize there are things that you have for us. Some we take by force. Some we take by permission. Some we take by you granting our wish and our desire. Let us learn to remember to dream. Let us learn to intelligently get a plan that would purpose that dream. And then let us see the plan through until the end. We guard our hearts. We guard our mind. We guard our time. Our time is valuable. It's precious. Whatever you have for us to accomplish in 2015, allow us to be a willing recipient of all that God has. In Jesus' name, amen.